0: Joe Earth and I are starting a podcast. What should we call it? Mm.
1: Hey, don't pick on me. You know why? Because this is why. Let's see what he says.
0: The Joe Show. Give Joe the business. <laughs> That's right. <Double> Joe. Joe. <laughs> what is happening here? Would you listen? We'll give you a chat. Thank you. Uh... <laughs> That's Joe. That's Rooster. And this is the Together We Shall podcast, episode thirty-seven. What's happening, man? Kicking it, kicking it, kicking it. They're, it's funny. I don't know why I thought 38. Damn, even I mean, numbers again. Yeah, the even odd number thing. And and so I'm winning today because in my mind, I see an odd number. But, like, for some reason, 3 and 7 will also always make 0, like 10. It's weird, dude. Why does my head – yeah. But it doesn't – it's not 0. It's 1 and then 0. Yeah, but the
1: 0. and the, I don't know. Anyway. Well, he, dude, Owen's like – not struggling with that, but like he doesn't like, I guess, understand that there's uh, 10 numbers, you know, like mm-hmm. one through nine and then the zero being the 10. He's like, mm-hmm. no, it's, it's nine and then 10. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but that's a one. And it, it's just like he's like, that that doesn't make sense.
0: Little known fact, in the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, I was part of Math Counts. This is a national organization that competes at the local and state level in mathematics. And they taught me that it's not 1 through 9, it's 0 through 9. And the second you switch your brain to see the 0, then the 1, the 10 makes sense. Yeah. it's Yeah. uh,
1: But then, like, infinity came up. And he's like yeah. he's like what number is infinity I'm like it's an, it's a sideways eight it's in just infinity and then he's like well yeah. what what number is it and I'm like just say like nine for the rest of your life that's inf- just nine forever nine, nine 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 you know he's like yeah but when does it end I'm like that th- this is the definition of infinity it, it, it doesn't end so it just cycles back like yeah i don't I, now i'm confused in my own self
0: and i'm like we haven't even left the school parking lot yet just got in the truck and i'm already confused <laughs> yeah. well i'm wondering why i thought he was gonna say well why if it's nines forever isn't an eight laying down shouldn't it be like a nine laying down and then suddenly we're getting into you know weird messages about sixes and nines laying down horizontally and into windows see i go from numbers to
1: it's bad i mean those were numbers but yeah i don't know yeah. if those are numbers we really want
0: to Speak no, about the, but... <laughs> they are the best numbers, but anyway, I digress. Uh I thought five gosh. was the best number. It is five five, baby, all day, all night. Hey. Uh didn't you go to the Dave Matthews band concert or something? Don't you want to tell me about how awesome that was? They still
1: just jam out, man. It's like I mean, like when I saw Chili Peppers or Garth, you know, Crows in the last year, like these older bands are still crushing. And he played for three hours, which I was not, not and the probably the only reason he stopped is the um perfect with the venue but no opening act came on and just right away started going and played back-to-back nights so and that was his first time in Wilmington uh and he said like almost 30 years weather was perfect sun setting over the river
0: downtown and uh you know some marching ants was cool yeah some marching ants well done well done tripping billies hey man Mm -hmm. so let's jump into this episode dude we're uh we're 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 excited. Get a couple jarheads in a room and see what happens. Jarheads is another name for Marines. So without further ado, let's bring in our fellow jarhead, Kelly O'Claire. What's up, man?
2: Hey, how's it going, guys? Long time no see.
0: That, that is true. Been, yeah. I still hate long, the fact bro. that
2: you guys have full heads of hair.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. My, and I have to cut my shit, bro. Mine's I coming. Uh, like, crazy hat, yeah. But I keep my, yeah, his is too much. I keep, <laughs> Yeah, I, keep I remember
2: it. when yours was real long, Rooster.
0: Yeah, I did, it, was, it was my Kurt Cobain phase. Phase, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I had to figure that out. Yeah, I, it was very, it, it led me to actually write a poem um, that I ended up titling Laters. It, like, if you know, if I say, hey, later. Right. Yeah. It said it was it was later with an S on the end. I call it laters. And it was me reflecting on how society viewed me with long hair vis-a-vis how society viewed me when they knew I was of military service. And it was an interesting internal reflection to know that just by the appearance uh, you were you wouldn't wave back to me, or you would judge me in a certain way just on the appearances. Really, really insightful for me. Again, as a cisgender white male who the United States Constitution was written for and by, um, it was very, very insightful for me to have just a little feeling of maybe what that feels like to not be accepted for your your appearance. Period. Appearance. Anyway, yeah. I, I digress. No, that's pretty cool. So we have to ask you a question. It starts off with. Where are you physically located, and why do you think you're a guest on the Together We Shall podcast?
2: Well, right now I am physically located in Quantico, but I live in Washington, D.C. So I make the reverse commute every day down here to lovely Marine Corps Base Quantico. Um, yeah, I love some would say lovely, others would say differently, depending on uh, what you've done here and how many times you've been back here. Um, <clears throat> And why I believe that you guys asked me to be on the podcast is, one, because two gentlemen like yourself with beautiful hair, you got to have it balanced with a bald dude because, you know, that's just the way it works. Um, but I, I would venture to say it's, uh, you know, our love of uh, our love of running, um, our ties in the Marine Corps, the fact that all three of us uh, have inadvertently served together um, at least once. Um and then the last time is, you know, it's June 1st, so it's Pride Month. So I bring a different side of inclusion, which I know is exactly what Ansley's Angels has always been about, is making sure that the inclusion piece from doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you do, you're always part of the family. So I think that's kind of the tipping spear of June 1st here. That's why I wore my, my Pride LGBTQ shirt for you today.
0: Dude, I think we could just end the podcast because you basically... <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's it. I mean, we have not had a guest come on and give a more succinct answer that covered all the breadth of of the why. Um, so bravo, well done. You like it's kind of like intelligence professional or something like reading our brains. <laughs>
2: I I did a little bit of my research, like Joe always says at the beginning of the podcast. You know, he he spent a little bit of time doing some research. (laughs) But I I, I do
0: want you to know that uh, Lori is the reason that you're on the show. Uh, She told me I was uh, walking with her about 10 days ago and I was like, hey, who, who makes sense for our next guests? And she didn't even tie Pride Month to her answer. She said, you know, you know, who's got a story? Kelly. Kelly, Kelly, you need to get Kelly on the show. And I'm like, bro, in fucking Pride Month next month. I'm like, this yeah. is crazy. Yeah, I love that. She goes, oh yeah, it is. I'm like, so, um, <laughs> no, no, that Loria was the was the the tickle, if you will, that the led catalyst, to this. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. Yeah,
2: I, I, that's great.
0: Yeah, Joe, go ahead, man. I have I have so many things I want to say just based on what he opened up with. But your turn. So you mentioned,
1: you know, inadvertently serving with all of us at one point or another. So remind me, where did we all meet?
2: Well, we all met in, uh, actually, I think the first time I ever met Rooster was uh, lining up for a run at the Marine Detachment on Damneck. Neck. Uh, and I just remember, you know, him walking up and down, you know, a ball of energy at 545 in the morning, which nobody should be that energetic in the morning, but watching all those young analysts all lined up. And as he walked by, just snapped to in a way they were ready to go but they always had like this, other people would walk by and talk and these kids would continue to talk and so on and so forth and Rooster would walk by and talk and they all stopped and like they knew that he was about to say something or pontificate on something or some group of information or something that was going to make them all (laughs) like super excited and be the best best Marine that they could be. So it was always really interesting. Um, And Joe, you and I, same same base we crossed paths but i don't i don't remember where we first met i think
1: uh in the gym down at uh bomb hall maybe but yeah i couldn't
0: uh pinpoint it either either way it's 15 years ago just to put it into context so 2008 is when all three of us made one another's acquaintance and kelly you said that the marines like gave me my, gave me attention when I went to speak. And now I'm like, I feel like pressured to make this podcast good because there's, <laughs> there's listeners listening right now. Like, oh shit, this is going to be good. No, uh, no, but <laughs> that's cool. But I mean, it's always kind of good to put it into context. I mean, 15 years is a long time. Um, can you take us back Kelly to like, I don't know your upbringing. like where are you from? I think Michigan, if memory serves me right. And
2: and then yeah, why Michigan. the Marine
0: Corps and like, bring us up to 2008 in an abbreviated version, maybe.
2: Yeah, actually, Rooster, now that I think about it, the first time that I actually met you, look, going back, was when we did the Christmas party at Balm Hall. And you came down with Ansley and the family, and we were outside in the tent. That was the first time I ever met you, um, mm-hmm. when you, when we did that. And we had the, um, I just remember you and um, Lori had brought presents for all the kids and so on and so forth. And I just remember um, uh, watching... Ansley's brothers and sisters helping her unwrap her sweatpants, um, her little sweatsuit that you and Laurie had got her and it was just you guys sat up front by the Christmas tree and handed out gifts and it was I just remember looking at that thinking like, that's a family like everything going on right now and he takes the time to come down and serve as Santa Claus for for our command and our people so that was sorry I just had to digress on that piece there.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's a memory.
2: Uh, yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> I was a, slightly concerned at first because when you were like Rooster came down dressed and I was like, because mm, he's also <laughs> came down there in a giant yellow rooster suit. <laughs> and I was like, never, never know. <laughs> never know what <when> it was <laughs> with like yeah. purple Crocs on.
0: <laughs> Gosh.
2: Um, yeah. But uh, join the Marine Corps out of Michigan. Um, grew up in Southern Michigan originally, um, outside of Dearborn. Um, My stepdad retired and we moved two and a half hours north to the middle of nowhere. Um, So for a 16 year old kid that grew up in the city, it was the scariest thing, if you will. Um, The idea that when 17, 18 inches of snow fall and it's not a a no school day, it's a get on the snowmobile and ride to school day, uh, really blew my mind when I moved up there for the first time. But I decided that that was not going to be the life for me, and I wanted to join. I wanted to do something, and originally I was going to join the Army and got through all the paperwork, got everything lined up, had the Army recruiter sitting at the house, and my uncle, who was a Marine at the time, called my mom and just happened to be talking to her, and she was explaining that the Army recruiter was there, and my uncle kind of lost his shit that I wasn't looking at the Marine Corps. And I said, "Well, the Marine Corps never came and talked to me, and the Army did. So, you know, if they really wanted me, they would have they would have come and talked to me." Uh, the next day, I walked into school, and as I walked in, there was a Marine Corps recruiter standing at the the, the check in desk when I got in for uh, my first period, and the gentleman happened to just mention the comment, "Oh, are you Kelly O'Claire? And I was like, "Yeah, who are you, and what do you want?" Uh, and it was the it was like the tone of our our relationship, and I made him I made him tell me flat out that the only reason he was there to talk to me was because my uncle knew his boss and if he didn't get me to sign up for the Marine Corps it was going to be his ass not anybody else's
0: so a true humor from day one dude like totally reading the audience (laughs) putting the things together and then turning the whole thing back on him to get him to to give you the information that's cool Well done.
2: Yeah. And then we, so I signed up, decided that I was going to go, I was originally going to go be a legal admin kind of guy. Three, four weeks after I graduated, I still had about two months before I shipped out to um, Paris Island where the real Marines train. And uh, they, um, my stepdad and I got into a huge argument and I called my recruiter and I said, you either get me out of here next week or I'm not going. And he was like, no, 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 we can't. And I was like, yeah, you, you send me. I was like, and he goes well if you do you're gonna have to go open contract so anybody that doesn't know open contract basically means needs of the marine corps where they need you they're gonna put you so i said fine great went to boot camp paris island south carolina I graduated uh my uncle came down ran got to do the the moto run right next to me uh off to mct i got marine combat training and what that's when i found out i was going to be an AM tracker. and my uncle picked me up from MCT, and I, he asked, "Well, what are you going to do?" And I said, "I'm going to go be an Amtrak marine." And I was like, "But I didn't realize the Marine Corps had trains, so I don't know what the hell I'm going to do for the next <laughs> three to four years of my life with that." So he yeah. drove me out to um, uh, to New River uh, and showed me Amtrak's 26, 26 tons floating in the water, and I was like, "How is that even possible?" And why did I? Why is that where I'm going to be? You know, as a mechanic. So. There I was for about three years, decided that that was not going to be for me, you know, uh, getting hydraulic fluid and oil spewed all over you for the next however many years was not it. So I decided I was going to move over to the Intel side. And that's where uh, our paths crossed later, later down the years.
0: And then eventually you, you made the move into the intelligence community sometime prior to nine eleven or before nine eleven?
2: 2001. I remember nine eleven. We were sitting in... Our conference room at the the team house, and they had that we always had the news on outside, uh, like in the lobby area. And I remember somebody interrupting the brief that was going on for the whole company. Everybody came out, and we basically watched the second plane fly into the twin towers. And immediately, Camp Lejeune got locked down. Um, like no calls going in, no calls going out, and every phone in the team house started ringing. So we knew we knew this wasn't good.
0: So your oldest daughter, correct me if I'm wrong, is 21 now. Is that correct? Just turned 21, yeah. So if I'm doing the math, like she she was not quite born yet. So you're you're expecting to bring a child into this world when 9-11 happened. Take me there.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it was um, my – Gina was pregnant at the time, um, and I was more – I wasn't necessarily thinking about – Bringing Alexandra into the world, yet I was thinking more about her boys, her stepsons, who are my kids. Um, about how this was going to impact them. You know, they were at school, and to to get snatched out of school and not understand all of a sudden why and why mom's freaking out and what's going on. Um, but then them seeing how the base and everything around Lejeune started locking down and everything. You know. Why? Why couldn't, as Russell, my youngest, would say, why can't my Kelly come home yet? Why can't my Kelly come home yet? Um, And I think that was the hardest thing. And that was then, obviously, deployments happened. You know, from there, and that's when we started. That's when we started seeing some behavioral issues with him because he couldn't, he didn't have me around as much, uh, and so it. it, That's when the impact started. Not really even thinking about bringing Alexandra into it. Um, and then when she was born, that was a whole different side of it. Cause I mean, once you have your own kid, like your world spins separately than your kids that you're raising. Um, but it's, it was just, uh, yeah, a young Sergeant having three kids in the world and not knowing if our base was going to get attacked yet next, or what was going to happen really kind of tried to put everything in perspective. And of course, being brand new into the intelligence field and not understanding, like, I can't really talk about what's going on as much as I would like to, but it's a, it's, it was a weird having to talk around what we could talk around.
0: Yeah.
1: That thing of like, you can't talk about what's happening, you know, and over the last 18 years, we've definitely had some of those things where privy to, you know, seeing and hearing and, and doing some things that you can't talk about, but like coming home from work that day, wanting to talk about and, you know, express what you just saw and heard from a a different side but not being able to that that must have been odd
2: yeah it was always I mean we've we've seen it before I mean I've seen it since I guess I think a part of it is I just learned to grow numb to some kind of the stuff and if if I didn't talk about it at home it was fine I could do it at work amongst people um, but yeah I mean there's things that have that have definitely happened that you hear about or somebody talks about later and you just want to jump into it and you want to be like let me tell you the background of why I know this and what what it's doing. And it's it's different. You, I mean, you can't. And um, my fiance now, you know, works for CBP, used to work for DHS. Um, and so he would come home and talk about stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of already knew that, but I couldn't say anything. Right. Yeah. Um, just because of of the nature of it. And so, I mean, everybody jokes about it, but, you know, we don't walk around, you know, as Intel professionals, we don't walk around with, you know, the keys of the kingdom and the big secrets and so on and so forth. It's it's a lot of that small information that we do touch on from time to time. And then when we hear it in the real world, everybody always wants to turn to us, um, you know, and been like, hey, did you know about this? And we have to kind of, you know, sometimes bite your tongue and been like, yeah, I, I saw the the article on CNN or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's always the the interesting um, dynamic of it, especially when people learn that you're in the Intel field. Um, that's the hard part.
0: Yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to take a moment to, to help our listeners here. You just mentioned your fiance and that he is working with the government, but moments before you talked about, you know, having three children and one of which was your own and your your partner slash wife back in 2001, Kelly, uh, help us out here. What, what just happened?
2: <laughs> well, I just took you on a, a rabbit hole and a dynamic that most people never get to. Um, but yeah, so I was married. Uh, my best friend, my ex-wife Gina, um, is actually going to be standing up in my wedding as my best woman um, in November when we get married um but i was raised um good catholic boy you know and and in the the catholic faith it was get married have kids and and go forward and so um i didn't realize that i was gay until i was 23 24 ish um there were there were things when i look back now you know <clears throat> always when you sit uh and you look back in the past of different things that have happened you're like oh i could have seen that there oh i didn't you know really acknowledge it but in my mind i always thought it was just i i had a um uh, i wouldn't say an inkling but i i had a, a an appreciation um for the male body right um and that's kind of how i i validated it in my own mind because at that time like you don't talk about being gay. It's not something you discussed. I mean, it was, it was very, very hidden. Um, and we'll talk on like, don't ask, don't tell. But that was a whole big, big piece, um, you know, while I was active duty. Um, and so it took a lot of um, soul searching and, and really an understanding for me to eventually um, come out um, to not only to Gina, but to the people around me, to that very small group, that trusted group. Um, like Chrissy was talking about, you know, having those people around you. Um, but that's hard because then I fe- I felt when I came out that I was kind of destroying the family that we created. Um, I wasn't sure how people were going to take it. We had such a, a close-knit military group of friends and family around us that I expected everybody to kind of walk away and, you know, treat us differently and so on and so forth. Um, and especially at work when I, when I finally um, came out um While I was still active duty, I expected so many people to just disconnect and 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 walk away because it didn't fit their beliefs. So they didn't think I was that person or so on and so forth. So I carried a lot of of turmoil within me for a long time um about who I really was. And it took um, you know nine eleven um the first time I ever deployed. Um, I always had a letter in my, my, uh, flak jacket and my, my teammate, um, Chris Britana had one in his, and we knew that if anything ever happened, we had to get them back to each other's wives. Um, I look back at it now and if I hadn't ever come out and something had happened to me while I was deployed, my story would never be told. Um, I, I would have just left with what everybody knew at that point. And, um, I, I got lucky. Um, when I came out that I lost very few friends, um, and in fact, I gained a bigger family and a bigger community than I ever thought I would.
0: Yeah, dude, thank you a lot for sharing that. I, I have a lot of follow-ups. I want to give Joe a chance to, to go because I'm going to take us on a journey with a couple questions, but Joe. Thank you for taking us down
1: that uh, very brief, which was, I'm assuming, a long time in your life, but we're also coming off the the heels of, you know, Mental Health Awareness Month. And I can imagine from that, if there was a time, if you can remember, you know, sitting on the couch going, yep, it's special, uh, I'm gay, to the time you told Gina, there probably wasn't a lot of, I'm assuming, a lot of people that you could, like, have a conversation with and, like, bounce this off and open up and try to seek clarity. You had to, like you said, keep a lot of that inside of you. And I'm wondering, how did that impact your mental state?
2: um it was it was rough i will tell you because you're absolutely right it was a lot of conversations in the car a lot of talking to myself um even at that time it was that that fear of going to um, a psychologist or a psychiatrist um in the in the military uh because i was always told if you go seek psychologist and you go seek help that that's going to affect your clearance and my clearance was my life because we needed it to do our jobs Um, so I did a lot of just my own personal stuff, which really ties back into kind of Ansley's Angels and the connection that we have here is I would go run, um, to relieve my stress. I would, when, when I got to those points that I didn't know which way to turn and I didn't know how to process it, I would put my shoes on and I would go run and I would run to the point of almost exhaustion and then realize, oh crap, I'm 11 miles away from home. Now I have to turn around and go back. Um, I used it as my stress reliever for a long time. Um, no matter what the situation was, because nobody could, nobody could judge me. Nobody could say anything. Nobody could pick on me while I was running. It was me and my music and the ground right in front of me. And I used it, um, as my own kind of therapy because I had nobody to talk to at that time.
0: Yeah, that's, that's some heavy, heavy stuff to ponder and to think about. Um, I I want to talk about that a little bit more, but I'm going to need some assistance. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's Miller time. It's that part of the podcast (laughs) where we invite you to grab your favorite beverage. Um, And if you're tube fed, turn to your caregiver and say, come on, bro, hit the button. Looking at you, Josh. Uh, Today, I'm going with something new, Joe. I know you didn't ask me, but this prebiotic soda this stuff has fiber in it dude i i'm going with this so kelly what are you uh, uh, joe what 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 are you all I,
1: I don't know like i feel like your your guts good like you don't need more of
0: that now no you have to have 30 to 35 grams of fiber a day how many are in that just 2 okay any this any, is any great. sugar any added sugars uh 8% of your daily this is great and man can you turn around did it say poopy uh it might have it's a, it's it's poppy it's poppy uh, it's
1: a it's a i thought, it's I thought for sure it said poopy i was like no one no. that's the greatest marketing no. thing ever yeah. you want to poop it's, Drink a poopy. it's
0: it's doc pop it's a play on dr pepper it's doc pop prebiotic soda anyway uh ellie what are you drinking
2: I am drinking a good old cold brew with some almond milk so that uh, I don't have stomach issues.
0: <laughs> good. Joe, what do you got? You got some cup of Joe? Uh,
1: I am drinking a a hot brew, but also with almond milk uh, because I'm
0: just trying new things. It's good. It's good, y'all. So, yeah, Miller Time. Hope you all are enjoying yourselves. Uh, right before we did Miller Time, Kelly was bringing us up to speed on his journey and, uh, and truly embracing all that he truly is within. And a couple of the things that came to my mind and you, you briefly mentioned, don't ask, don't tell, but for our, our audience, just to be clear, don't ask, don't tell is a policy that was in place from 1994 to 2011. Um, that basically said in a, in a nutshell, that if you are gay, uh, you cannot openly serve in the, in the military. And if you are in the military, me, Kelly, Joe, we're not allowed to ask, if you're gay and and the other side of it is one who is gay cannot tell so don't ask don't tell what a policy it was in place for some time um i knew kelly during the implementation of don't ask don't tell and based on what we just learned kelly embraced or realized his gayness during that period of time And he also told us that he was an intelligence professional that just couldn't talk about what he was doing at work. There's a lot to unpack there, bro. So, like, how are you today?
2: I today am probably mentally uh, the strongest I've ever been. I have I learned um, for a long time that hiding in the shadows um, was not going to do me any good. Um, blending in and trying to be just like everybody else, um, so that I could pass off with what the society norm is, wasn't going to work for me. Um, and it it took me a long time. It really did. I remember being in Okinawa, Japan, when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, and everybody that was on the island, um, everybody that was gay and openly gay, um, we all went down to like the tidal basin and, and threw a little party. But we did it like late in the evening because we were still, you still had that idea of fear, um, you know, even after that was that was repealed. Um, and now, I mean, you look at it, um, over 14,000 military members were discharged during that time. Um, and that, and I look back at it and think, wow, that could have been me just because somebody within the command didn't like me or I said something or something. Um, and I learned very quickly that that's, that's not a way to live. Um, my turning point for coming out at work because i never addressed it at work i had um, roommates if you will that would come to command functions and stuff with me from time to time but i never fully came out Um, and it wasn't until the pulse um, shooting the pulse nightclub shooting um, that happened and i was in washington dc for dc pride uh that year and I came back from one of the the clubs out. We were having a good time and so on and so forth. And then we saw all this news. Um, and I was packing up my bag to drive home from D.C. back to Virginia, uh, Virginia Beach. And I remember sitting in the car and just kind of this exhausted feeling that that very easily could have been any of us last night that were in any of those clubs. Um, most of the clubs uh, in the D.C. area are relatively small. They have one way in, one way out type of thing. Like, it would have been, you know, fish in a barrel, if anybody, same way that that the Pulse shooting was. Um, and so while sitting in D.C. traffic, thank you, we're always in D.C. traffic, um, I decided that I was going to kind of write a post on Facebook and officially put it out there um, that I was... I was gay, and if you didn't like it, you could either remove yourself, you could be part of my circle, you could do whatever. But I felt that it was that moment where I had to, I had to live my true, authentic self, because if something like that had happened again, like I was saying earlier, if I had been deployed and something happened to me, my story would never be heard, right? Um, if something had happened to me in one of the clubs, my story would never be heard, and I don't, I never wanted um, my kids or Gina um, to have to answer for those questions. Right. Um, And, you know, it was just, it was a a huge pivotal turning point going into work on Monday. I was scared. I will tell you, I anticipated getting a lot of cold shoulders. I, uh, there was a very, a couple of folks that were very, very religious. Um, Not that that's the only turning point, but I figured this was going to be very different than, than what they were used to. Um, and they were they were close personal friends. I, I know their wife. You know, I know their kids. I watched their kids grow up. You know, um, and I just I anticipated like the cold shoulder from them. And when I walked into work that day, the one the one guy walked by my desk, put his hand on my shoulder and said, "You'll always be Kelly to us." And then walked around, sat down at his desk. And I'll tell you, I'm I'm. Not really a crier when it comes to watching sad movies or things like that, but when, like, the emotional things, like, that hit, like, it took me everything I had not to, like, just sit at my desk and cry, knowing that I made this big to-do up in my head because I had all these people around me that I could talk to but never felt comfortable to do that.
0: Man, that's huge, dude. And for the listeners, you know, Kelly referenced the Orlando nightclub shooting of June of 2016. So I mean, we're seven years removed from that. And we're still seeing uh, in our in our culture, we're still seeing people akin to Omar the 29 year old who killed 49 people and wounded 53 in this mass murder event um just absolutely still seeing this type of stuff and and some people are like oh my gosh what's happening in the world and I'm like well, well slow down for a second like Stonewall riots are is a real thing and I'd be remiss if in June we didn't acknowledge the Stonewall riots because we have few people listening that know it's pride month and if they're still listening and they're not supporting pride month month, I'm surprised and I'm happy. If you don't believe in what Pride Month stands for and you're still listening, thank you. So let us give you some education on why it's Pride Month and where it came from. So, Kelly, I know you know this story, but I'm here to fill in any gaps that might be needed. Uh, But the, the Stonewall Riots, what is it and why does it matter in June of 2023?
2: Yeah, the Stonewall riots um, was really a turning point um, in the community where a lot of and and actually it was a it's interesting now because the drag queens are on their They're on the firing line right now, um, but it all started, you know, with a drag queen throwing a brick, right? Um, and a lot of people will see that, but it was an uprising because we were marginalized people, right? The gay community, the LGBTQIA+, was a marginalized community, which is i why I love the connection with you guys because I know people with disabilities are always a marginalized community also, right? And so there's a lot of overlapping between what Ansley's angels does and the and the um, the the bringing the forefront that these are we're all human beings and we all have our place in the world um to to what we are today um it 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 was the civil rights movement for the lgbtq community um and we've been fighting for over 50 years right um and it was what less than 10 years ago that we got marriage equality um where we um as the lgbtq community could get married and have the same rights as any you know male female couple Um, that's that's one of the biggest things that we look at is um, why why does a, a gay couple not get the same rights as as a straight couple? right? Um, we're all human beings. We all have love to give, and that's where a lot of people think that um, the pride celebrations are all about you know, coming out of the closet and and throwing our glitter and and you know wearing our speedos and body painting and doing whatever. And it's that is part of it. But the real part of it is the struggle and the fight that we have all continued to do over and over again for basic human rights. It's the same. That's why it was tied so closely with Black Lives Matter also, because it's a marginalized group of people that are are fighting to have their voice heard. And when we are told and specifically like drag queens and whatnot are being told nowadays that they're grooming children because they're reading them stories or they're grooming children or they're they're pedophiles because, uh, just because, because we're gay, we're all of a sudden going after all the young boys and girls um, there because we're making an impression on them. And it's it eats away when we talked earlier about your mental health. Like when you're seeing these things, even if it's not you, it eats away because you are within that community, and so it's kind of one of those things. Like if you if you you punch a baby, very weird switch there. But if you punch a baby, every parent is going to feel it. It's the same thing when you when you punch somebody within the LGBTQ community. Um, every we all feel it because we don't feel like we're getting the representation a lot
0: of times. Yeah, I appreciate that walk down memory lane. And just to be clear, like June of 1969 is when the Stonewall riots happen. And that is tied directly as to why June is Pride Month. Um, and what what would you say that people should do during Pride Month? Like, what does it mean for me, a cisgender white male during Pride Month? What should I do?
2: Pride Month is is where we do a lot of eye-opening, right? You and Joe and your families and and. Lori and Leanna, whatnot, you guys have always been allies. Allies are the people that help make our LGBTQ community normal to the other people that are a little, that, that question it. If we all go have a beer and they're like, oh, well, I know Kelly's gay. Well, Rooster and Joe are sitting there having a beer with it. Maybe it's going to open somebody else's eyes that I can also sit and have a beer with you and probably drink more beer than you, depending, right? Um, it happens. But it's, it's really, it's educating people of why we do this. Why people always say, well, why do we have to have a pride month? Why can't we have you know a straight month? You can have a straight month. Like we're not asking for something special that you guys don't. We, I love nothing more to take folks that have never been to a pride parade to see what it is, to see grandmothers walking down the street, holding signs saying they love their grandson they love their transgender grandchild, to seeing churches that are opening their doors and saying, if you were cast away from your church, our doors are open. We're inclusive. Uh, Inclusivity has been like the biggest thing that I've seen in just opening people's eyes and realizing that we're all human, period. It doesn't matter if you you cut my arm off or you cut Joe's arm or your arm off, we're all going to bleed the same blood, you know? And I think for me, it's easier to wrap my head around these concepts with drag queens and transgender kids and 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 non-binary and all the different um, entities that people fall into. Because as a Marine, it didn't matter who your brothers and sisters were to your left and right. We were all Marines, right? If you bleed, I bleed, and that's what the the community is really trying to get across. Like, you don't cut my arm off, and I don't I don't have. You know blue glitter coming out of my arm i have red blood because i'm a red-blooded human being just like you and everybody else so really just getting people involved and and that's really kind of where you know to to transition a little bit where uh when i sat down in your office and and said hey i want to do i want to do a race i want to do a race for pride because hampton roads pride was all about the community and about bringing in the the inclusion of everybody We always said we joked about it. I think, um, you know, between me, you and Anne, uh, we made the joke like it doesn't matter if you run, walk, skip, hop, cartwheel, whatever it is, you you come out and you show support and you have a good time. We as runners are are weird in the brain. Sometimes we enjoy doing this thing. You don't have to run in order to have a good time, you know, on these races and, and at Pride. And it just... pride month it to me it's can i can i educate somebody just a little bit more every time i see them or every time i do something to make them understand that we do this because we're humans
1: i think like you said like i mean the the community similarities between the pride community and, and the marine corps community are are actually the same you know what i mean like it's the the whole bleeding that you are my brothers and you're my sisters you're we're family once you put on that uniform that's it we're getting especially when you join you know a unit like hey we are going to look after each other no matter what the pride community does that so well kudos for that but I think for some reason like you said like we've already I've always treated you the same Richard's always treated the same thing that has to do with the individual upbringing right like so Omar didn't have that um upbringing you know what I mean like I grew up with family members that are part of the community and like it just it didn't it didn't bother me but now it's like it's hate. You know what I mean? And like, why do you want to live? Life's too short to live with hate. You can have bad moments and bad hours and bad night, bad morning, but you don't have a bad day. The fact that we have so many people that live every day with hate, that's what's like alarming to me, whether it's hate to the pride community, hate to someone in the school system. And then, you know, there's then there's a school shooting or just hate to the neighbor because he cut his grass a way that you didn't like. <laughs> like, made your yard look like it and i say that because like there's some hatred in my uh, neighborhood um and they let neighbors know about it i'm like dude that's the the least should be the least of your worries today um but i just have always embraced the uh lgbtq lots of other letters now and symbols community <laughs> just because because you're showing like you said, that was inclusivity before I really knew what inclusivity was. I mean, I had friends that I went to high school with that similar situation as you. Like, I never thought they were they were gay, and and they came out years later. I mean, I have a friend who a little bit looks like your doppelganger uh, who lives a couple of houses down who who's gay. He's kind of the same upbringing. Went to college somewhere in California. Was going to be a pastor and was trying to do that because that was his upbringing that's what he knew and then put, couldn't talk about that there you know and so he had a lot of the same things like he would go for walks and just try to figure all this stuff out and finally it was like I can't live this lie anymore and has such and he was so scared that like his parents weren't going to support him and like you said the grandma walking down like his parents and they're awesome they come out um here often and like they're big biggest fans and he just thinks that like people you had to live that you were in fear that your parents wouldn't support you um so it sucks I mean, in like nineteen sixty nine there's so much going on in the world, civil rights movement, Vietnam, it's like that was probably just a, a blurb on a on a newspaper, you know there's no internet or anything, but the fact that that happened, and then again twenty sixteen still happening is It's fucking horrible. We live in an interesting world.
2: I think Joe hit it on the head there is, you know, hatred, it takes so much energy to hate somebody or hate something. And if you think about the energy that it takes for you to, you know, like Joe said about cutting your grass and, and, you know, putting a sign in, in somebody else's yard, you took all that time to make the sign, walk down there, put the sign in there. The amount of positive things that you could have done at that point. Are, are exponential. And the idea in the community, because we have so many of us have lived in fear and 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 um, you know, trying to hide who we are now, I love nothing more when I see this younger generation getting to live their authentic life from eight years old now, right? These kids are they're coming out younger and younger because they feel supported and able to be who they are. You have so many more organizations and so many more people to turn and talk to. Um, one of my one of my good best friends, um, she is the international known Navy drag queen. She performed um, in drag on the USS Ronald Reagan, and she has been dragged through the mud by by uh, people both in the military, people that have served, previously served. People that have you know uh, political affiliations and so on and so forth to the point where you know she had to basically get PAO to make a statement on her behalf on his behalf um, because he was asked to be a digital ambassador because of his presence on social media and so on and so forth um, and everybody twisted it but he's still out there doing what he can because <clears throat> like he said last night when he was performing. Um, it's because of people like me that went through Don't Ask, Don't Tell and paved the road that he's able to do what he does in the military now and support other people. So that kind of hit me a little hard last night. Never thinking of me as like, you know, like paving the road for the future generation. But I guess we all do in some way, shape or form. But it's, you know, going back to what Joe was saying, you, you get rid of the hate in your life and you you learn to live authentically and support the people around you why we why we don't applaud people when they do great things doesn't matter what it is it's a good thing like support them push forward and and have like you said joe have a great day you know
0: i was brought up uh catholic as well kelly and um through my journey in southwest louisiana i definitely can recall being taught whether it was your sexual orientation or your identity that those things had to be consistent with how you presented in other words if you have a penis you are a man and you should live like a man and that if as a result of that you will be he him and that's how you'll be referred to you'll have a gender and you will do man things and if you're anything other than that you are different Um, and that difference is because you have lost your way or that you are not keeping consistent with the the life and teachings of Christianity. Yep. I'm so grateful for where I am these days in my education and understanding. Can you give me something from your perspective that that is in response to this idea that you have lost your way and or you're not consistent with your Christi- Christian upbringing? You understand my question?
2: Yeah, I do. And and I, I 1000% agree with you. Um, I, I just remember that that was always, you know, if you weren't a, a, a man doing man things like you were, then you were less than, right? You were always discounted. Um, <clears throat> um, you know, just to throw back, I remember in middle school, because I was a competitive dancer. I was always less than because I didn't play football and I didn't do soccer and baseball and so on and so forth. So I for a long time I always felt that I was less than. Um and even joining the Marine Corps, like I did it. A lot of people say I did it because I wanted to prove something. And I did. I wanted to prove that when you put your mind to anything, you can you can do anything, right? Um but to answer your question, um <clears throat> knowing that there is a community out there that supports you and understanding that you haven't lost your way, you're not going away because nobody knows what your path is other than you. Um, That you are exactly the way you were designed to be, both mentally and physically. And sometimes that doesn't always coincide with how we feel inside. Uh, a lot of transgender people right now are having huge identity crisis, and that doesn't mean that they're less than a person. It doesn't mean they've lost their way. It means that they have a different path, right? And that they have a path of people that are supporting them. And if they learn to live who they truly are, and the people, then the people around them will support them. The people around them will learn to love them and 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 if they don't, then, they're not needed in their life. Um, it's very hard to say that sometimes you have to cut the the fat out, right? You know, the people that <clears throat> don't necessarily support you, whether it's family, it's friends, and so on and so forth. Sometimes you need that that breath of fresh air, that distance away from them to really find your who you truly are. Um, I will also say the biggest thing, like Joe said earlier, you know, coming off of the the mental health awareness month, is it's okay to go ask for help now. There is so much uh, so many people out there that that know so much more than I do, right? Um about gender identity and you know how you battle through these things and how you um, how you don't necessarily have to you know mutilate your body um, as many people used to in the past because they wanted to be something different. Um, you don't have to hide in that. Um, in that darkness anymore, but that there are so many services out there, and there's so many people. Um, I will also say our community is not always perfect, right? I don't think any community is. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of inclusivity. Um, we accept a, a, a lot of people, a, a lot of different communities do. But there's also a lot of infighting. There's a, a lot of stereotypical stuff. There's a lot of people that are still. Very in the closet in certain parts of their life, and they they lash out. Into um, that, I would say you need to find what truly makes you happy, because until you identify with who you truly are, you're gonna continue to fight those demons. You have to find that circle, um, uh, that 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 close knit people around you that when you're in those darkest moments, when you're having one of those bad days, that you could pick up that phone and say. I just need to talk Uh, because sometimes, like I said, a lot of people don't have somebody to lean on, especially if they're going through that that crisis identity of who they are, that sexual identity of who they are, um, accepting the fact that they are gay, uh, non-gender, non-binary, transgender, whatever it is. If you don't have a person that you can just sit and talk to and let them listen, it, it, it puts you in a very dark place.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And and what if you're in that spot and all you're hearing is the megaphone of whatever news network is on, or all the things happening now between Target and between you know Chick Fil A now, um, and and you're hearing this and it's making you feel like you are indeed not right, like you are indeed sick, you are indeed struggling. Like what, what do you have to offer to the voices that are saying? you are sick you know kelly you say you're gay that's because you've lost your way what is your response back to that
2: well my response back to that is usually usually a line of four-letter words about how close-minded they are um but i'll keep that off the podcast um really my biggest thing is when somebody looks at me and and i've had it walking through dc we get we get shamed a lot you know you'd be surprised um, how many times walking home from the bar, somebody driving by calls you a faggot um, or, you know, you know, screams out the window, go home, homo, you don't belong, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I'm like, I do belong. I own property here. Thanks. Um, but it, and it does even even to this day with with knowing that I know who I am and I'm very confident in who I am. And if you have the balls to it, step up to me and let's have a conversation, whether it's with our fists or with our mouths one way or the other. Um, I will prove to you there's nothing worse. um, You know, I don't condone violence, but if you wanna step to me, there's nothing gonna be worse for you than having your ass beat by a faggot that you just called, right, I have no problem doing that. Um, Not that I've had to, but I I will defend, I will defend my friends very easily. Um, For those people that are out there that keep hearing, like you said, Brewster, the megaphone of you're you're sick, you're wrong, um, you don't belong, this isn't your community. I, I have to say, just give them the finger. You have to give them the fu because you do belong and you're, you have a community that supports you and is there for you. And the biggest thing that I can say is just don't let it get under your skin. A lot of times it's, it's easier said than done, right? You know, there's nothing worse than, than knowing, you know, Chick-fil-A and I'm not going to, you know, go down that road too much, but you know, they're hate chicken and they're bigot biscuits. Um, You know, there's nothing more that I love than seeing, you know, a gay person eating it. And I'm like, I chose not to do it just because I don't believe in what they are. But that's that's my choice. That's my belief. Right. I'm not going to let their voice change my life. I basically push them aside and I move forward and try to always look for the positive thing. When I'm walking around the city, I'm always looking for those businesses that are LGBTQ inclusive. I'm always looking for those ones that don't just put out, you know, uh, T-shirts and whatnot during Pride Month because it's the, you know, the um, the corporate gayness, if you will. Um, I look for those businesses that support year round, those businesses that support, you know, equality, you know, human, right, human rights campaign and those type of businesses because those are the people that get it. And those are the people that you wanna surround yourself with and understand even in the smallest of cities in, in backwoods, Nebraska or Iowa or something, there is a gay community. It's, sometimes it's hard, you gotta find it. Um, but getting out and making yourself known and getting involved, getting involved in different organizations, I think helps you build up that skin and helps you feel like you really do belong when everybody else is telling you, you don't.
1: There you go. Yeah, I think the getting involved thing is is exactly right. You know, we have in the last, whatever, 90-ish days, right, you've seen stuff from Bud Light, Miller Light, Target, Chick-fil-A, right? And you have all these people that are, you know, bless his Michigan roots, right, shooting Bud Light, and I'm not going to drink that anymore, or refusing to eat Chick-fil-A. Um, but they're, they're doing it in a vocal, like, demeaning, cruel manner. Like, you, just like, I'm not going to eat Chick-fil-A. All right, that's fine. You can, you're not posting on, you know, social media, F you, Chick-fil-A, screw this, you know, because one day you might be like, damn, those chicken minis aren't pretty good. I need to go back there. (laughs) And someone's going to be like, you said, fuck you, Chick-fil-A, five years ago. But get involved. If you want to complain about it, we'll do so in a positive way to influence change. The same thing about, uh you know the neighbor and everything and i think you're right um that the smallest backwoods you know nebraska flyover states have that community whether it is the lgbtq or you know uh, special needs community or a military community we're part of three big communities and there's people within each of the communities that we impact and touch daily that will listen to you there's resources out there so Please, for uh, you know, all the listeners, like someone will listen to you. It may take a while to find that person, but someone will listen to you.
2: Yeah, and I have to say, Joe, that's that's one of the the big things uh, that people always seem to forget. And I think we, the three of us, get it um, is how interconnected we are, and how interconnected our communities are, and how easy it is for somebody to reach out to one person and say, hey, I need this or I need help finding this or I need somebody, Um, you know, I've moved away from the 757 Hampton Roads area and I still get emails and phone calls and text messages. Hey, can you set me up with this? Hey, I'm looking for this person. Can you help me find this? And so on and so forth. And I think that's what people need to understand is it's okay to ask for those things. It's okay to ask for that help because somebody will point you and connect you in the right direction. And you'd be surprised the friendships and the circle and the connection that you make just by reaching out and getting involved, but also asking for help. Because when you ask for help, when you're trying to find something, there's probably 10 or 15 other people that are asking for the same thing, but are afraid to open their mouth and say it, right? So sometimes being the the, the, the loud guy in the room or, you know, the loud girl in the room or the loud transgender in the room or the loud cisgender white male in the room makes everybody feel comfortable because then you you said it and not them but they also need that same information
0: the the other part of that is the opposite end of the spectrum where if you embrace your vulnerability and you're vulnerable in asking for help that can lead others to embrace their own vulnerability and that can create this wonderful ripple effect of people realizing that hey we're, we're not all as stoic as we may want our social media profile pictures to show and, and that's critical. That's critical and providing yeah. safe place for others to feel like they can be vulnerable. And that's what this Together We Shall podcast has aimed to do for now 37 episodes is to create a space where some people can come together and have a conversation that may not be the conversation that would be had live on You Pick a Channel. Would rather come here and be human. So, Kelly, man, I, I'll tell you, dude, I sincerely appreciate that you have accepted the invitation and that you came in here. And uh, me and Joe just hope that you felt welcomed and that you felt like that sense of belonging to be part of this podcast today.
2: Of course. I mean, you guys, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, I've known Rooster, I've known you quite a while. Joe, I've known you. I know you guys as families. Um, you know, I, i came to rooster when i wanted to do something when i wanted to do the the race right but there was i mean there was other times you know just knowing that you have that safe person that you can talk to i try to be the sarcastic funny one because if i can like rooster was saying if i can break somebody out of their vulnerability and and make them want to come hang out with us or or talk to us or or have a conversation Maybe I'm that reason that they say, OK, I'm going to come back out tomorrow or I'm going to go to this bar or I'm going to join a race or I'm going to do things. You know, it. maybe that's maybe I'm that person. And if I if it if it's a smile walking down the street or helping somebody hold open the door or something, I have to hope and, and know that maybe that's that little piece that they needed that day because we never know what each other are going through. That's that day. Right. Never know. I mean, we've all lost brothers and sisters, you know that we would have never known that they were going through something without finding out that they that we no longer have them. Um, and you just you then you go back and you kind of beat yourself and you wonder like could I have done something more? Um, did, I, did I do enough to make them feel accepted and included? One of my favorite things of the race and they they've become a huge thing now is the mom hugs um, that there's always like a mom standing there holding a sign. That's like, mom, need a hug, like mom hugs, free hugs, so on and so forth. And the first year that we had this lady out there, she was, um, she had, didn't know anything about the race. She didn't know anything really about the community. She was down visiting and she heard about it. And so she decided she's like, well, I want to see if this is actually going to be, you know, a wow factor, right? Just show up, do that support. She got more hugs and more photos and more tears and cries and and whatnot because there was such a, a a broken piece of the community that their families walked away from them or pushed them out, and to just have a random person want to give you a hug and tell you you're okay and that if you 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 are someone special and and just that that again that little piece of niceness just carries through. And there are people in the community and and everywhere that will remember that that real embrace that they got from a stranger for the first time in years, right? We see it all the time where these kids are kicked out of homes. And the first person that ever gave them a hug, made them feel safe was some random person. Right. It wasn't even it wasn't even family member or friend. It was a random person that just stopped to say, you know, Hey, how's your day and and that's what i've that's what i've always loved about Ansley's angels and why you know when i was on the board of pride why i I made it very clear that i wanted you guys there because i wanted them i wanted our community even our community with with um as inclusive as we are to understand the more we open our hearts and we open our arms and we open our minds the better off we are as a as a community not we don't have to stay in our little buckets and our little lanes because bigger the lane, the more people that we can bring into it. And so that's what I've always tried, uh, you know, to bring as many people together as possible. Um, So we'll see.
0: And so like you're talking about a road and opening up the road, more people can get in the lane. Have you done any road races recently in in, uh, Washington, DC?
2: No, unfortunately, no, the back is not allowing me to do that yet.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Well, for any of any of the community that you reach that wants to come and do the Pride 5K, it's in the old uh, cemetery there and in, in, uh, off of Independence. Um, I know Ainsley's Angels uh, of National Capital Region has partnered with the Pride 5K for years now. It's been a great supporter. In fact, we have a, an amazing chariot that will be uh, debuted, not debuted, but be there at the race. It's this uh, this Friday um, coming up here. So look into that. And uh, Joe, there's another big race. Uh, what is it called in Washington, D.C. area coming up in October? That would be the Marine Corps Marathon. Ah! <laughs> so, yeah, if
1: you're a, a local to the National Capital Region, go out and roll with uh, with us this weekend. Big thanks to Tony uh, for all of his efforts up there for making that chariot roll. But then if you want to go a little bit further of a jog at the end of October, training starts today, you know. It's June this is the uh, time of the 18-week training plan. So if you want to run, ride, support, whatever, joe at AnziesAngels.org, And look forward to seeing you in October.
0: Yeah, the Marine Corps Marathon's been a great one for us for many years. And uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't get Joe a chance to make sure you know you're invited.
2: I didn't realize you guys were um, connected with the D.C. Front runners and the 5K. In a,
0: in a big way. Big way. Um, That's awesome. Uh, so... We took uh, one of our chariots and, it, and it's, it's each color of the rainbow. So the, the side panel's yellow and then the, the, the main chair is green and then the orange on the other side panel. And then we took purple on like the, the top and the red and the wheel covers. But it was made possible by monetary support from uh, the front runners. All right, y'all. Kelly, man, this has been great. What do you want to leave the listeners with as we roll out episode 37 here on June 6, 2023?
2: Be nice. Get rid of the hate in your heart and understand that we're all human beings. and We all have our place in this world. You don't have to like who we are. You don't have to, you know, agree with our decisions and you don't have to agree with our lifestyles. But treat everybody as fair human beings and you will see a massive change with, within you, but it's also within the people around you in your circle. That negativity is what brings us all down. It gives us gray hairs. It gives us wrinkles. It gives us all that great fun stuff uh, that we fight every single day. But really, at the end of the day, if we are just nice to the person to our left and our right, no matter what the situation is, we'll start to see a change in our community across the world.
0: Uh, You know what? I got got enough. He's in charge. (laughs) We're done. This was good. Yeah, we're done here. (laughs)
1: Uh, The structure of this building has reached its capacity. Find your people, and if they make you feel sexy, even better.
0: Hey, y'all. One of the cool things about having 37 episodes now is when our current guests tell us about how our former guests' episodes impacted them and how they reacted to hearing some of their details of the stories. And in Kelly's case, he listened to Christy Cormier's episode nine and shared with us some revelations and some intersections. And I thought that it would be good to share that with y'all. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I will tell you that, listening to that as my first, as the first one, I was like, okay, this is great. And then she started talking about how um, insulated she was making herself. Um, And only having that small. And I was, I I was right there with her. I was like, wow, I know exactly how this feels just in a different, you know, flip of the, of the imagination. And then I started relating it to, I mean, I I can't imagine what she's gone through with her daughter or whatnot. But I remember when I moved my mom down and with her having COPD and, and everything that she was dealing with, how much time and effort I had to put into helping take care of her also. And I was like, wow, this is this is mind blowing to think of it. You know, I I don't I don't think a lot of people ever really think of how much time and effort and how much you lose yourself taking care of, you know, somebody that either has special needs or is sick or or whatever. I think they just automatically assume a lot of times like, oh, they have all this help around them. They don't have to worry about it. And to hear it, it's her, you know, um, taking care of her daughter. And um, I think the thing that, you know, broke my heart was when she was talking about uh, the idea that her daughter could be gone before her, but what happens if she goes before her daughter? And that alone was like, okay, let me pull over and wipe these tears out of my eyes type of thing. Cause you know, from a parent, you both know this, like you, you don't ever want to think of something like that. Um, but the idea that she is already has that formulated in her head was was mind boggling. I mean, I, I don't I don't have that. If something was happening to me tomorrow, I don't have that for Brennan. That's just a weird it was a weird dynamic to like listen to and and to hear her her perspective from it. Yeah.